today we are going to discuss about Roman Republic. When the Republic came into existence, the Senate was converted into an exclusive oligarchical institution for governing Rome. Membership of the Senate was by co-option, that is, the original members themselves choose additional or new members of the Senate. The original members must have been those who took over the Roman state after the overthrow of Tarquin the Proud. Only patrician males, especially big landowners, could be life members of the Senate. In the latter republic, the number of members went up to 600 and then to 900 and was eventually stabilized at 600 after the republic came to an end. The Senate had wide-ranging powers, most of which were not formally defined. It gave duties to the magistrates but did not elect them, advised them on legislation, financial and military matters, and generally supervised the functioning of the state. Juries for major trials, especially criminal trials, were composed of senators, Senators wore a distinctive dress with a white purple-colored border or Latic Levia. They were not allowed to go out of Italy without the permission of the Senate and were expected to be regularly available to attend sessions of the Senate. The highest officials of the Roman Republic were called consuls. There were two consuls and they held office simultaneously. The consulship was an elective post and elections took place on an annual basis. They presided over the Senate and performed executive, judicial and military functions. The minimum age for consulship was 42 years. Consuls could seek re-election without any restrictions. Besides the consuls, there were several other magistrates. Mention may be made of two very powerful magistrates who were called censors. Two censors were elected once in every five years. They held office for 18 months. During the 18 months that they held office, the two censors were required to conduct a census of Roman citizens, only males, to determine the eligibility of a citizen depending upon the value of his property to hold various elective offices of the Roman state. The censors had a few other functions like leasing public lands and giving state contracts. In the early republic, only patricians or mainly former consuls could be elected as censors. In addition to the consuls and censors, there were junior magistrates as for instance Adilus and Questors. Four Adilus were elected annually. They were in charge of public works and had to maintain roads, drains and marketplaces and to arrange public festivals as well. Questors assisted the higher magistrates and looked after the state treasury and maintained public accounts. While the magistrates had to serve in an honorary capacity, 
they did not receive any remuneration. The government had a host of salaried minor officials collectively called apparitors for routine day-to-day -day tasks. Technically, their appointment was for one year, but in actual practice they occupied their positions for a much longer duration since it was too cumbersome to make annual appointments. The apparitors included scribes and lictors. Lictors were officials who escorted consuls. The lictors carried with them bundles of wooden rods known as fesses, sometimes with and sometimes without an axe, which were the symbol of the authority vested in the consuls. The political structure of the city of Rome included a tribal assembly. The members of this assembly were all male adults of the communities which were initially settled at Rome. The Roman assembly, that is the assembly of citizens, was called Comitia Curiata. The Comitia Curiata got its name from a kinship-based social unit called Curia into which the primitive inhabitants of Rome were divided. The Curiae were extended clans which included plebeians and should not be confused with the patrician gentes. At the beginning there were 30 Curiae which were grouped into three tribes. This grouping into three tribes corresponded to the three original tribes, Titais, Ramnes and Lucerus. Whatever might have been the pattern of social organization reflected in the Comitia Curiata, the classification of all citizens into 30 curiae, which formed three tribes of 10 curiae each, had become fixed soon after the abolition of monarchy. Each curia elected its own head called Curio who was supposed to be over 50 years of age. The position of the curio was for life. The chief curio was the curio maximus, who was always a patrician till 210 BCE. Voting in the assembly was not according to the principle of one member, one vote. Each curia voted collectively so that only the opinion of the curiae and not of individual members was sought. As a result of growing pressure from the peasant soldiers or plebeians of Rome, the citizens were regrouped to form a new assembly called Comitia Centuriata, an assembly of all Roman citizens. For the purpose of the Comitia Centuriata, the citizens were grouped into centuries, the smallest unit of the Roman army. It was technically supposed to consist, as the name indicates, of 100 men, though in practice the number might have varied. The military origin of this assembly is further suggested by the fact that its usual meeting place even in the latter republic was the Campus Martius, a large field on the outskirts of Rome dedicated to Mars, the Roman god of war.
Comitia Centuriata was the assembly which elected the consuls and censors. Legislation had to be passed by the Comitia Centuriata. War and peace were the prerogative of this assembly. It contained 193 centuries. Each century had one vote. As in the Comitia Curiata, the collective vote of each century was taken. The centuries were grouped into five classes. These classes were constituted on the basis of property qualifications. The 193 centuries of the Comitia Centuriata were not distributed equally among the five classes. The first three classes possessed the majority of votes. At the other extreme were the propertyless citizens. These citizens were labeled as proletarius, that is, those whose only function was to bear children or proles. Proles means offspring. The proletary were placed in the lowest class. With this kind of classification of participation of the poorer citizens in the assembly had no meaning whatsoever. Meetings of the Comitia Centuriata were formally called by magistrates. We cannot deny that the evolution of the political structure of this type represented a historical achievement, yet we must be aware of the limits of democracy in the Roman assembly. Having failed to get a share of political power through the Comitia Centuriata, the plebeians organized themselves into a body of their own. This body came to be called the Concilium Plebis. In 494 BCE, the plebeians forced the Roman state to formally accept two officers elected by the Concilium Plebis, known as tribunes, as spokesmen of the plebeians. The most powerful weapon in the hands of the plebeians was the refusal of render military service. This refusal was referred to as cessation by contemporaries. There are at least five recorded instances of cessation. Being elected a tribune gave to a plebeian some access to political power, something which was otherwise not possible at the beginning of the Republic. So this is the end of our today's discussion. Listen to our podcast episodes. Follow our official Facebook page, Twitter handle and Instagram. For any query, feel free to mail us 